Okay, so imagine this. There's a runner who has put in the miles for years, battled back from injury, has somehow avoided the big hype machine that surrounds a select few in the spring of an Olympic year, grinds out a great race, a breakthrough if you will, clawing through a stacked field to capture an Olympic qualifier. Along the way, that runner also perfectly sets himself up for the Olympic trials and a legit shot at the biggest stage of them all. Sounds like a pretty good story, eh? Well, that's exactly the case for one of my guests on this week's show. Andrew Sakafian joins me this week to talk training, that race, and much, much more. You won't want to miss that. That's coming up first. As well, I sit down with Manny Rodriguez, elite field coordinator for the Ottawa Race Weekend, and we'll talk about some of the amazing fields worth checking out this weekend, including the Canadian 10K Championships. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Andrew Sakafian is one heck of a fighter, missing pretty much all of last year due to an injury. Watching her stage a huge comeback season has been fairly awesome to say the least. Last week, she continued on with a huge under-the-radar win in the 5000 at the Hoka 1-1 meet in a stacked field, getting an Olympic qualifying 15-17-81 along the way. We caught up with her when she got back to Canada earlier this week. Uh, so big race at Oxy, a 15-17-81, way under standard, and a huge race in a stacked field where you ended up getting the win as well. You know, walk me through it from start to finish. What was going through your mind? Yeah, I... It was just, it was a perfect night in a lot of ways. The field was really good. As you said, um, we had three really good pacers. The weather was perfect. It was just like everything was coming together on that night. And I could kind of like feel that like something special was going to happen. I was like not really nervous. I was just kind of like excited for it to get underway. And so the pacers were supposed to go... Uh, 3K in 1520 to 1525, which they did, and it was great, and it was perfect, and I just kind of got into, like, the third or fourth position, um, just, like, in the actual field behind the Pacers, and just kind of sat there, not super exciting for, like, the first 3K, and then when the Pacers dropped, um, it was great, like, some of the women just, like, really took over and, like, kept it honest, there wasn't that like sag that kind of happens sometimes when the pacers drop that next lap. So that was great. Um, and then with like four laps to go, like I was feeling really good. Like this is probably the best I've ever felt running a race or like running like ever. <laughs> so um, I was kind of like just pressing and pressing and there were like some women falling off the pace. And then I just kind of found myself right behind um, an American, Kellen Taylor, who has hit the 10K standard and has run a really good marathon. And I kind of thought, like, okay, I could stay here and play it safe and probably still hit the standard, or I could just really go for it. And so for the last two laps, I just, like, went around her, and I kind of thought, like, maybe she would come with me, but within, like, a couple of meters, I was just alone and then with 600 to go I just like really went for it and it was crazy like there were so many Canadians there and it was just like so loud (laughs) that like the energy just kind of like brought me through that last 600 and yeah the last lap was just like kind of crazy I was I kind of knew I had the standard and it was just like don't settle don't settle and yeah it was really exciting (laughs) for sure for sure so 
you know, I was reading through uh, through your blog just the other day, uh, which for our listeners, they can uh, check that out at andreasecafan.com. Uh, That's A-N-D-R-E-A-S-E-C-C-A-F-I-E-N. Uh, lots of good stuff on there. But I noticed uh, in your last post, uh, which was just kind of before this meet, but just after your last one, you said that you're really enjoying your races more this season. Why that change? Why 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 is that? Um, in in 2014, I don't think I actually liked racing, and I don't think I realized it at the time. But I was so stressed out and so like just had so much anxiety and so many expectations, and I just thought like, well, I graduated university and here I am, like time to run fast, and that's just like not really the right attitude to have and it was just I put a lot of pressure on myself and I just kind of like didn't really do anything super awesome that year like I, I ran a personal best but it wasn't nearly as fast as I like wanted to and then I got really injured and I didn't race last year and so just coming off an injury and, and spending all last summer just watching other people race really made me miss it and kind of just like put things in perspective a little bit and so now races are they're like just a a big opportunity like I don't feel pressure I don't feel stress this is just like a fun thing that I do now Uh, whereas before I think I was like forcing it too much you know there's been a huge jump in times from you know say the beginning of the season to now i mean you you kicked it off with a with a big pb uh in in the 5000 what do you think that the big differences have been since um you know earlier in the season to now from stanford infight to you know your race at oxy i think that um i really haven't been training for that long like i started actually running on the ground, not on the Alter G in December. So I think that every really big workout that I have, I get a, a bigger benefit from it than maybe some people that have been training like all winter. So um, I think that's one thing. And also just like the race at um, the Stanford invite was just a really big shock. Like I hadn't run a 5K since 2014. I'd only run one race in a year and so I like got there and I just mentally wasn't really in it as much as I should have been and that was just I kind of struggled in like the last 1200 and then like you know Peyton was like a good step forward like I had one under me got that like rust buster out of the way and then obviously Oxy I like really nailed it so I think it's just been like a good progression of mental strength and fitness throughout the season so I think it's just like just like getting like getting into races again after being injured so you know you're training uh with a new group now with the UTTC uh folks which is the University of Toronto Track Club for uh you know for those who don't know but you're training with people like you know Rachel Hannes, Ash Gaulish, Gabrielle Stafford I mean it's just you know just naming off some of those names and knowing that there are people that I did not mention too you know what makes it such a successful program I think the coaches obviously are a big part of it. They're just amazing. Terry and Ross are just so good um, with female athletes, especially. They're very emotionally intelligent. They're very 
invested in the women as people and they're just very smart with when to push and when to like take it a little bit easier and they like really listen to everyone and like how they're feeling and they're not afraid to like adjust things on the spot and I Ross is my like primary coach Terry is more of the mid-distance coach and Ross is just has been just really good at um helping me come back from injury like the fact that I didn't get injured again was just like incredible because I think I was just like very vulnerable and like my body was just obviously hadn't been running for a while so I think they're good at like keeping people healthy listening to what they need and Terry is just like really great at developing athletes through like the JD program as well so I you, you've mentioned it a couple times now. You took last season off, you know, it was a complete write-off due to injury. It, oftentimes, it's a real balance of getting back into things too quickly or going in almost a little too cautiously uh, after an injury. How were you able to, to find that balance? You know, was there any tips or tricks that you could give someone coming back from injury to, you know, come back and, and run PBs, you know, almost right away? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, like Ross just I don't know what he did but somehow he was just very careful about not pushing it too hard but just like pushing it just enough like every week so that I would get like a little bit fitter and a little bit fitter and just same with mileage like I built so so slowly and I didn't run a track workout until January when we were in Florida and that was a an outdoor track workout thankfully And then even then it was just like very slow, like just like one track workout a week and then like two and just like very, just building and building like very meticulously. And I think that also I didn't, I didn't think I was going to have an indoor season at all. And so like we only really decided that I was going to go and run the Husky invite like two weeks before. So just not having any races on the schedule at all, I think helped me just to not try to rush anything and just really have like outdoors as the main focus. You know, really deep fields as far as the women's 5,000 goes, uh, pretty much all the women's middle distances is really, really great this year, but only yourself and Jess O'Connell with the OQ so far. Who will you be watching for over the next month to uh, to maybe dip under that Olympic qualifier mark? Uh, my training partner, Sasha. <laughs> um, we have done everything together. She was primarily training for the 5K up until like a week before Oxy. So she is in great shape. We have done exactly the same workouts. Like we do everything together. So, I mean, there's no reason why she's not in similar shape to me. Uh, so she's going to have another crack at it, I think in Portland or maybe in Boston. I'm not really sure what her plan is actually. And then I don't know, like I, I'm not really counting anyone out. Like Rachel Cliff might do it. Um, I don't know. You never know. Like, I don't think anyone would have thought that I would hit the standard. So like crazy things happen in the Olympic year. Uh, there's a really uh, great gif of you on Twitter uh, where <laughs> Nicole Sofuentes greets you on the track after, you know, your really big race looking almost as happy as you are. You know, is that indicative of, you know, how things are in track right now, you know, despite all the ultra competitiveness? Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Like, I 
pretty much talked to like every Canadian at Oxy after the race. And I remember seeing like K Van Buskirk just like freaking out with like, I don't know if it was 200 or 600 to go. Um, you know, all the Speed River people were super excited. It's just like, I think when we go to those races, it's not really like us against us. It's just like, we're all there. We're, we're all trying to like achieve the same thing. So it just, it's a little bit easier to be like a community. <laughs> I think for sure. And, you know, I kind of want to know, does that sort of depth of field have any sort of, uh, you know, impact or effect on your own performances? Um, yeah, for sure. Like that was a really good field. Um, and I knew it was, I like look through it. There's a lot of women with like 15, 20 PBs and obviously like Rachel Cliff was in there and Natasha Wodak who was going for her own proof of fitness. So yeah, it was definitely really helpful to have, a good field like that and to also have other Canadians to kind of like keep an eye on. So obviously the, the, the next little bit is going to be very strategic for you as far as, you know, picking which races you want to do, uh, and lead up to the, you know, the Canadian Olympic trials and stuff. Uh, what is your schedule looking like going up to, uh, you know, the Canadian championships? Um, tentatively I'll be racing the Vancouver and Victoria, NTLs and the Guelph NTL is like a solid maybe right now. So just 1500s, no more 5Ks. Um, everything I do obviously will just be focused on July 7th in Edmonton. And those races will just be like fun, work on some tactics, and hopefully just run a, a PB in the 1500. Her name is Andrea Sekifian. Uh, she just got an Olympic qualifier. You can follow her on Twitter at a Sekifian. Uh, be sure you go and do that. Congratulations on, on that Olympic qualifier, and, and thanks a lot for, for being on the show this week. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter. The Ottawa Race Weekend is probably the crown jewel of the Canadian road racing scene boasting both an IAAF Gold Label Marathon and 10K that also serves as the grounds for the Canadian Championships. Now, putting together stellar fields for these races is no small task, and we are lucky enough to catch up with Manny Rodriguez, Elite Field Coordinator, earlier this week to chat about the race weekend. Uh, Manny, the 10K also is serving as a Canadian Championship. I gotta know who are the Canadian names to watch, both on the female and the male side this year. So we have actually some very deep fields uh, for the Canadians for both both sides. Um, for the women's, I'd definitely say Lanny Marchant and Natasha Woodick would be the the two front runners that are uh, you know the people to catch. You know, the, um, there's a couple other people in there: Rachel Hanna, Laura Batterink, uh, Lindsay Carson. So there's some people there, but I'd say those two are the key two women to watch. In the men's. Reed would probably be the favorite. Um, you have some uh, younger guys like Tristan Woodfine who's coming in, uh, Kevin Friesen, who had a great run down in, in Vancouver just recently in uh, round of 29.35. Um, and then some more old hands like uh, Matt LaSalle. And, uh, so it should, be, it should be a good match. Um, yeah, it should be a good match. All right. Well, moving on to the international field, then, uh, you know, who, who are some of the names to watch, uh, you know, in that portion of the race? For the 10K, we're definitely looking at the Simon Sheprop. He was second here last year, and 
he's been running really well. He won a race in Nigeria just recently. He had a twenty-five thousand dollar purse, so had quite the uh, quite a field, and he won that. And then on the women's side, Perez Jetchir, she's been you know, she won the World Half Marathon Championships in Cardiff. She just won a race in India against some really strong competition there. So those are two I think are going to be the uh, the marquee people that uh, are going to be pulling the field. So, you know, I, I have to ask because, okay, so last year with the with the 10K, you guys did something interesting in that you sent the women off four minutes early. Um, I believe there's also some competition built in around that as well, too, where if the top female was across the line before the top male, there's a, a bit of a bonus there as well, too. Uh, what are you doing as far as the gender gap goes this year? So the gender gap is something we've been doing for a few years now, and it's it's a great you know it's a great addition to the 10k because the 10k although it seems like you know 30 minutes is a long time it's actually quite a short time for the race um, and to watch it kind of on, uh, unfold is great um, we've had it for a number of years it's really exciting what we noticed last year was we stopped talking with the athletes is Perez Jeptier and Gladys Toronto worked together to break away from the men they made a concerted effort to say you know yes our race will happen but our race is not going to happen until you know eight nine k almost until then we're just going to work to get away from the men and they did they just you know it's almost a minute gap back to the men and so this year what we're going to try to do new is we're going to try to give the men and the women the splits between them to try give them an idea of whether they're going to you know whether they're closing the gap or opening the gap or whether they'll finish at the line at the same time hmm an interesting sort of idea. You know, is is that uh, something? Do you know are are other races trying stuff like this as well too, or or is this kind of an Ottawa uh, unique sort of thing? I think there's a there's a few. There's not many. There's not many races out there that do it. Um, I'm aware of a 12k. I think in San Francisco. Um, I think the LA Marathon did it. Uh, I'm not aware of another 10k that does it. And. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, for the spectators and the way they, they react to it, and even just in the cars, I watch it unfold. It's, it's a great race to watch because you usually you do have, yes, you have the men's race, you have the women's race, but to watch the men try to catch up to the women and the women try to get away, and it, it adds an, an additional factor, particularly around the 6 to 8K mark when, you know, they can finally see each other. For sure, for sure. Uh, you know, both the both the marathon and the 10K are IAAF gold label this year, uh, which you know is is a fairly big deal uh, in this world. Did that play any sort of factor in assembling the field for this year? Were there did you find that there's more people wanting to be in your marathon this year because it was gold label? Um, hard to say. Uh, this is a it, it is it's a strange year because it's an Olympic year. So what happens in an Olympic year is we get a lot of interest to people who are looking for the Olympic qualifiers. We're a fast course. We're almost at the end of the qualifying window for most countries. And so a lot of people who haven't done it, you know, with some fall event or even some January event, there, or even some March event, they'll just say, okay, we have one last crack at it in Ottawa and seeing it. So we get a lot of interest for that. Um, but on the front end, the very top people, we actually don't get pull from them because they have to focus on the Olympics. Because they're focusing on the Olympics, Ottawa is too close to the Olympics to actually uh, want to come do it. 
So it actually, well, it kind of plays really well that we may get them for the 10K as opposed to getting them for the marathon. So, for example, uh, you know, Reed, Lanny for Canadians, you know, they're, they're coming to do our 10K and, you know, even though their focus is the marathon. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of things that you have to do to qualify to be in that gold label, but uh, can you tell me, are there any changes to uh, to either of the races uh, as a result of them being uh, that having that gold label status this year? No, no, uh, I wouldn't say there's any real changes. We've been trying to get uh, gold label for a while now, so we've been focusing our fields on that goal for, I'd say, probably a good three or four years. And when we finally got it, it was it had to do more less with the field that we were attracting and more to do with uh, getting the media qualifications in terms of number of press conferences. And actually, it wasn't even that. It was the the, the reach of our national coverage and international coverage, to be in particular. Um, but our field has been it's been gold label for a while, and it continues to be gold label. A little bit of a struggle, you know, sometimes like an Olympic year to get marathoners who are of that caliber to come to our event. It's, you know, a little, a little harder, but we'll manage to do it, and uh, I think we have a great race out there. So uh, you kind of mentioned this, but giving the Olympic qualifying marathon deadline, especially especially for Canada, focusing on Canada, this is really a last chance for anyone looking to capitalize. I believe it is probably, in fact, the last chance you know, is there any uh, Canadian names that stick out to you who will be running this weekend who you think uh, will be really trying to go for that Olympic standard? I think so. Um, on the women's side, the two names that stand out to me on our field is Leslie Sexton. She ran 233 in Toronto in the fall. And then Tara Career. Uh, Tara, um, she ran a really fast uh, half marathon in Cardiff at the World Half Championships. I think it was a 112. So I think she'll be trying to do it. And she's bringing, uh, as we call it, the most qualified, overqualified pacer along with her to do it, her husband. Uh, yes, yes, member of the, uh, of the Kenyan marathon team, I believe, for the Olympics. That's right. So they, if he can't pace her well, I don't know who can. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, taking a look at the the international field for the marathon, who do you think uh, who who are going to be the names to watch uh, as far as that goes? The international field, um, we did uh, well. We had a couple of uh, hiccups there because we were supposed to have the the returning champion Gurme Brahanu for the marathon men. But unfortunately, he's not going to make it. But we do have a number of 204, well, with Dino Safir's 204 guy. We have people like uh, Felix Kenny, Evan Drutu, uh, Mergesa Basha, who's a 206 guy. Uh, then a few more 208 guys. So we have, we, have a good, we, have a very, we have a very good field there. It should be solid. I, can't, I don't know there's one standout. Um, I'm actually looking forward to a couple of, uh, well, one unknown, for example, there's a guy named Elkana Yego. Who's running? Who's uh, he's a 21-year-old. It's his debut. It's sort of his debut marathon. He did a uh, a marathon in uh, Kenya, Eldoret, as a training run, and ran a 2:19 at altitude. And oh. there, he was told just pace, 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 and try to see what it feels like at the end when you try, you know, give it, a, a, you know, increase the pace in the last K and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is really his debut, and it should be uh, should be amazing. On the women's side, we do have a Barrow Mercuria. She's coming back. She won last year. Um, she's going to have some strong competition. Uh, Isabella Ochichi, 
is a Olympic medalist who's really moved up in distance. So she used to be a 5,000 meter runner. She's now moving up to the marathon. She, she's, done a, she's done a few and seems to be getting better. The last one was 2.29, but it was in Hawaii, so that tends to be quite hot. So I think she could really improve. She ran a 109 half, so hmm. I think she can. We have Corinne Jalello, who's there. Yeah, she actually holds the Canadian soil record from uh, 2011 in Toronto. So it'll be interesting to see if she can go for it and break her own Canadian soil record and get new. Hmm. You know, you, you kind of mentioned weather uh, as far as Hawaii goes a little bit ago. However, uh, you know, it is worth mentioning for the uh, for the Ottawa Marathon and 10K because, you know, a lot of the big marathons will happen earlier in the spring when things are a little bit cooler. Uh, as far as weather goes, have you been keeping an eye on what it's going to be like in Ottawa? And, uh, and how do you kind of assess what the uh, long-range forecast is saying and matching that up with optimal marathon conditions? Do you think we're going to have them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've, had, we've had forecasts like this before. Well, right now, see, the forecast is not looking very good. Or it wasn't when I looked at it yesterday. It was looking like it would be... Uh, lows would be about 15, I think it was, but the highs were up in the 27th. For you know, I'd probably about three or four o'clock in the in the evening, in the afternoon. Hmm. Um, now that changes. Uh, that's happened before. Uh, we've had previous years where they were calling for a high of 30 degrees, and then it ended up that we didn't get it. So you know, a, a big storm came through and cooled everything off, and we ended up having a high of about 21 degrees. Um, so. Hard to say. That's one of the things you you really hope for, but you can uh, you really have no control over. For sure, for sure. Now, the nice thing about Ottawa is that it's not too far of a drive for you know a lot of Canada to come out and watch it, and I'd highly suggest that just because you know the depth of, the depth of of both the fields of the marathon and the 10K are totally worth the drive. However, if you can't make it out to uh, Ottawa, you've mentioned that there's some some coverage and stuff that people can follow along with at home. Uh, you know, how can people access that? So if they go to our website, uh, runottawa.ca, I think also if they go to Athletics Canada, uh, they, the Athletics Canada TV also has coverage of it. So they can watch it live as it goes on. Um, we're hoping to put on a good show, a great show. Uh, we're working to try to get more more information back to the broadcast team so they'll be able to make a better call, um, you know, so case splits, uh, as I mentioned, the gender gap, we're, we're really working on is trying to figure out um, the mathematics behind the fact that you can't just give a straight split because a straight split doesn't, uh, you know, so like, you know, ends up that the men have to run every kilometer, I think it's 19 and a half to about 23 seconds, depending on what our gender gap is. You have to run each K that much faster than the women, so you can't give a straight split. You have to kind of do this extrapolation and use some math around it, so we're trying to get that information both to the athlete but also to the broadcast people can make the call at 3K to say, you know what, right now the men are closing the gap and you can't quite tell it, but this is what it's going to work out to, that the men should pass them about 9K or even 9.5K or the women are getting away from them. Uh, if the men don't pick it up, they, you know, it'll, it'll give more, uh, we're hoping it gives more to the uh, broadcast. Manny Rodriguez is the elite athlete coordinator for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. Uh, you know, Manny, we're wishing you, uh, you all the best for this weekend and, and hoping for really, really good weather. Thanks a lot. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, Manny as well as Andrea. Also, big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. 
Remember, you can find us online on Twitter at The Terminal Mile, as well as on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and of course, tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. <laughs>